Three, two, one, and welcome to the Peak PT Studio podcast with myself, Rich Higgins, Josh Jurieff, and David Lewis Charlton. Nice jumpers, everybody. Look at these. Woo! Representing. Yeah. And hat. Look at David. And he's got a hat on. It's <laughs> David's got arthritis in his knuckles. We've <laughs> <laughs> done that far too many times. Just um, a clicky, clicky hand. Time of year, you might think we're wearing Christmas <clears throat> jumpers, but we've just got some new studio jumpers in, haven't we? All branded up. Ooh, and we're all merch. wearing them. I was sad I was the only one wearing a Christmas jumper to the Christmas party. I had Christmas socks on. I had Christmas socks on. Okay. What did you Should have I on? pulled them out more. Yeah. Yeah, I did sorry. get mine out. I didn't take a picture and put them on Instagram. I did get mine out. I mean, my, my jeans were rolled up slightly, and I was on a high chair, so you should have been able to see them. Were they ankle-defining? Uh, of course. <laughs> Slim-fitted socks. <laughs> Can I have, <laughs> have extra elastic? Do you have to get slim-fit socks? Well, you know the... Um... Do you wear garters for normal length <laughs> <normal laughs> <lens> socks? <laughs> You know the uh, white men can't jump, start yeah. socks, they don't fit Fall down. There's <laughs> <laughs> not enough elastic. Just have to put some like tissue paper down. <laughs> I'll just get, I'll just get some mini bands and wrap them <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, this week we are talking energy systems and energy system development. So we will talk a bit about strength training, resistance training, because it obviously comes into that spectrum, but we're going to talk about everything outside as well. Steady state cardio, hit classes, spin classes, all that kind of stuff, how it fits into a workout. And for us, probably the most important why we want a broad range of energy systems and availability for everyone across that. Uh, we'll start off as usual, Josh Jurieff, myth busting. David's jingle. Key jingle. Is it Christmas one yet? Oh, yeah. Put him on spot. It doesn't have to be. Not yet. We've still got a week left. Don't change it just as I was about to do my jingle. Next week's a Christmas special, so you can do a Christmas one then. <laughs> if you can see David's face right now. Priceless. <laughs> that was definitely more catch... Catchphrase countdown meets Super Mario Brothers. That was, I had an idea in my head and then you threw me and Sorry. I just pulled something out of somewhere. <laughs> Your hat. <laughs> Your new hat. Uh, what were we talking about? Yeah, um, so this week in the Mythbusters we are talking about um, Tabata, which is, I imagine a lot of people listening to this would have heard about uh, HIT. And Tabata is a similar principle, but to quote Rich, it's been bastardised. Um, oh, quote unquote. Um, quote unquote, yeah. Bastard. Um, just down to the way it's been used and the principles around it, energy system, Tilly has just been uh, moved. Her face. <laughs> hey. Hey, excuse me. I was listening. Corner. Um, yeah, so Tabata, if you haven't heard of it, give me a little research. We're going to, yeah. Shoot it down now. I think <clears throat> most people know it as 20 seconds of work and 10 yeah. seconds recovery times eight, that four minute block. And most fitness magazines and online workouts and stuff. Mental I think, 
yeah, when it was first about, it was like, oh, the ultimate four four minutes to fitness or eight, or you could do two of them. I had all the magazines. Bloody loved it. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. When it came around, when I first heard about Tabata, I was like, oh, this is amazing. That's the stuff, yeah. Here, here's my road to uh, the Olympics. We're all going to cut our, cut our training sessions down. We're not train anyone for an hour anymore. Just four-minute four sessions. Yeah. <laughs> four-minute PT. Wait, plus warm-up. Yeah. <laughs> same, <stretch>. same price. Because <laughs> it does the same job. Um, yeah, it was, it was deemed like this four-minute thing was going to be the, the golden bullet to kind of fitness and fat loss and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the actual protocol itself has been tweaked a little bit. And what you generally see now in gyms is people working moderately hard for 15 seconds, fairly hard for five, and then nothing for 10. Um, the actual protocol itself, we'll get onto energy systems obviously later in the podcast, but the protocol was at 20 seconds of VO2 max, which is kind of eye-poppingly yeah, sweating keep, from your eyebrows, vomiting. Yeah. <laughs> work effort and then 10 seconds recovery off the back of that so i'd say that most people doing tabata protocols aren't hitting high enough intensity that was initially set out as well as um the first study and program had with it 80 percent at fairly low um aerobic capacity as well so it was a much more in-depth program than i think so a lot's given credit for it was much more than just a four minute every day work moderately hard for 20 seconds 10 seconds off it was a whole program in itself with an awful lot of base level aerobic work in there as well um with like i say the vo2 max work but that was the sexy bit so that's the bit that got plucked out and chucked around every gym in the world program to be four minutes of perfect work yeah where you're done yeah 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 yeah. like on the floor yeah (laughs) (laughs) I feel great. I'm pretty sure, I might be a bit wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was done with, I don't know if they're Olympic level athletes or something along those lines that the initial testing was done on. And so you've got people that are able to work at a much, much, much higher capacity than us mere mortals (laughs) in the first place. Wasn't it um, Tokyo was first developed? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Is it skiers or cross country skiers? Something along those lines, I think. Mm. One of those um, fit groups of people. Yeah. <laughs> Horribly fit people. And one of those sickeningly fit people. Here to do eight Wingate tests in yeah. a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I say, for most part, it's one of those things that PTs chuck out. This is a good sign when they're bored at the end of a class or it turns out they've got five minutes left they didn't account for. Uh, let's do some Tabata get people breathing a bit heavy and sweating a bit harder and seems like a good workout. They're a nice crisp high five. Yeah, exactly. Science, you've just been scienced for <laughs> Good PT. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, as Josh said at the beginning, been bastardised and chucked around every gym, every class in the world pretty much. Um, and it's not quite what was initially planned, I don't think. So there we go. It's about our training. But if you don't call it Tabata and just do 20 seconds on, 10 seconds yeah. on, fine. Just do interval training. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just called training. <laughs> Intermittent training. Excellent. Um, so we're going to get on to a bit of energy system development. David had a good, um, I think, baseline of how to break this up a little bit. Just your fresh idea that you just showed me. 
you didn't take it from anyone else on Instagram, so it's all right. Did I? <laughs> from Pandy Palpin. <laughs> <laughs> Don't connect the dots. Pandy Pandy. Um, from I'm just and it was first time just saying, oh, this is a simple way of breaking down. Yeah. Um, I've also gone to put my hands in my hoodie, but... Oh, yeah. Our new jumpers do not have pouch, kangaroo pouches. Mm. I've done it about 16 times. Uh, but simplifying energy systems, it's sort of all of the way your body utilises energy for different purposes. And so that can range from absolutely doing nothing, so very, very baseline, just resting and breathing, all the way up to, as Rich said, eye popping, peak heart rate, work rate, and then how your body basically has to be able to keep up with the work rate that you try to maintain an output for. And so with training, just like you can change the purpose of, of your training to get different adaptations, it's basically how to manipulate different styles of training to stress those different energy systems to help increase their resilience and improve them and then how each individual one can be sort of pushed manipulated to help increase all of them and so that can start from like I said sort of very baseline just maintaining living and then that can sort of push up to moving your heart rate for sort of whatever time frame you say, so probably at least 20 minutes plus, and then that can go up to anything to marathons, super marathons. Super marathons. I don't know do what do else do the do next do level do of do marathon do is. Super, super, <laughs> super, marathon. super marathons twice yeah. a day Brothers. for a week over a month. Yeah. Um, 16 marathons one day. And then you can sort of push it. So if you're just thinking heart rate and cardiovascular system, then you can sort of push it to moderately challenging. So when you can't actually maintain a level of output because you start to get a burn in the muscles, you start to build up sort of waste products that you aren't getting rid of. So you're having a net increase in waste products. So you can't maintain it. So then you have a limiting factor. And the more you can train that, then over time you get a better resilience to it. So for example, in the classes, if we put on the ski erg or the bikes, you can sort of, especially Rich likes to walk around and say, here's your wattage. And you have to maintain and hit a certain level of watts, so power output. Leave me alone, Rich. And then you couldn't maintain that over a long period of time so that's sort of the the moderate energy system and then you can push up to say a peak heart rate where it's eye poppingly horrible but you don't need to be there for a long time you can basically just push up there for a peak hit a peak and then drop back down yeah i dropped that yeah drop the yeah. peak in there I, I love that and because it's maximum intensity you really don't need a lot of volume or time there so you just basically need to try and practice hitting a peak heart rate because, again, if you're ever in life and you need to maximally run away from an axe murderer, you want to be able to have the energy system to get you away safely, hide in a corner. Or a bear, if you're in Iceland right now. I know they don't have bears, but I'm just thinking, you know... See, Katie would just say, that's why I'm getting strong, not to mm. run away from it. Yeah. Fight it, <laughs> fight it, fight it. Take it head on. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, but just how, how we as coaches and trainers split up 
sort of the energy systems of the body to make you resilient to the stresses of any work output you can think of. Yeah, yeah. Good summation. I think when we look across... Came up with that one yourself. Cross the. <laughs> what did I say again? <laughs> um, I think when we look across the board, we talk about it from everyone that we get through the door when they start with us. We're talking about training them across various different. We've labelled it, and you call it kind of energy system development. So it just depends <clears throat> what level in intensity you're working at, essentially. Um, is dictating which energy system you're using. Uh, but we're looking at training people across a broad spectrum rather than specialising too hard on one, which I think a lot of people end up doing if they're training on their own, uh, is guys will go in and bench press and bicep curl and just do that over and over again. Um, equally, people can get stuck in classes and they're just doing spin classes or they're just working a similar sort of intensity every time they go in and do a class. Um, we're trying to work people through ranges of strength, obviously, adaptation. We do power work a lot in the warm-up, so short and sharp, explosive work, dynamic plyometric work. Um, then generally in our workouts, most of the interval stuff towards the end is going to be in and around kind of threshold VO2 max, so really high-end energy system work um that's shorter sharper stuff that's generally going to be you know under three minutes of work into rest and recovery and then the steady state aerobic stuff for the most part we're going to be encouraging people to do that outside of the session purely because it's there's not generally much too technical with it there's not too much uh injury risk and it takes longer so yeah, ideally, people aren't going to be paying us to go, yeah, just sit on the bike for half an hour and gently spin your legs over at a five out of ten intensity really? and we'll see you there. I'm just going to grab a coffee. Um, <clears throat> but encouraging people to have a broad spectrum of those disciplines because they all play into one as well. And I think that's quite important is someone that's always into lifting weights, for example, having the aerobic capacity to recover quick from that session because you do get out of breath from lifting weights <clears throat> means that you can potentially reduce rest time, you can lift more weight, whatever it might be, you're more capable of shuttling more oxygen to your working muscles when needed. So the benefit to having a good base level aerobic system um, carries over into weight training, carries over into threshold, carries over into general aerobic and cardio health. So that's why we'd try and work people across that spectrum, I think. And then, uh, yeah, on the measurement of this, David mentioned I like to talk about watts, especially when we're on the bike or on the ski erg. Um, there's loads of different ways of measuring this, some involving tech, some in just involving your own interpretation. You can go off RPE. Uh, rate of perceived exertion, exertion. so we might ask you kind of a 1 to 10, how difficult was that? This can be pretty useful. Obviously, it's cheap and easy and efficient. Um, it takes a little bit of time to get used to that. A bit like when you're at school and the teacher asks you to run at 75% and everyone's sprinting straight away and then going, yeah, well, I was only running at 75%. It's like if you ask someone how hard are they working out of 10, they're like, oh, yeah, it was a 7. And you've just seen them kind of 
tremoring as they were lifting the deadlift weight or whatever it might be. So it does take a little bit of time and a bit of intuition, knowing your own body as to where you are actually are on that scale. Um, you've then got heart rate. Obviously, we use with the MyZone belts quite a lot. Plus side of heart rate, obviously, it gives you a little bit more physiological data of what's going on, of what the heart's doing in reaction to the exercise. Um, there's slight variables there, obviously, in terms of illness, tiredness, um, general fatigue, heart rate lags as well. So you're going to be working hard before your heart rate catches up. So if you're doing short, sharp intervals, it can be quite a difficult one to use. If you're doing kind of 20, 30 seconds effort, generally your heart rate's not going to catch up till the end of that effort. Um, but it can be pretty useful. And especially for that base aerobic stuff, I think for a lot of people, it's good at keeping the intensity super low when it needs to be, not going over certain heart rate ranges. Um, and then you've got things like power and watts, which we've got on the ski erg and on the bike. Benefit of these and why I use them quite a lot in sessions is they give you um, an exact feedback. Watts are watts, it's power generated and it's done on a three second average generally on these kind of machines. So it'll give you exactly how hard you're working Watts then and there. Lie. Watts don't lie, power's power. <laughs> <laughs> um, it'll give you exactly how hard you're working then and there. So None you can feely stuff. Yeah, you can work 20 seconds hard effort at the wattage you know you need to hit when your heart rate might not have caught up yet or 30 seconds hard effort. So it's a good gauge of intensity that way. But you do have to keep in context say X amount of watts one day might feel harder than the other if you're fatigued, if you're tired or whatever it might be. So you do have to cross-reference a lot of these things a lot of the time. So if your heart rate is telling you 70%, but it feels today like 80, 90%, maybe it's time to take it down. You might be a bit tired, you might be a bit fatigued. Up the negative chat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell yourself you're rubbish and carry on. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much um so yeah that's a, a brief uh look across the energy systems and like how you might go about monitoring it and measuring it um and then yeah how we we put it into our workouts and into our sessions generally um on to i guess classes and things like that We've all worked in commercial gyms, see it an awful lot of the time. I was going to say, what's our gripe with classes, but let's try and start it off on a positive note. <laughs> Less of the negative chat. <laughs> what do you see of, of classes generally in, um, uh, in fitness facilities? I think it gives you... Oh, sorry. Go on. It gives you a wide spectrum, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. First and foremost, when we... When we first started at Village, or previously to that, they Pillage. had burnt... Pillage. A village. Don't yeah. Yeah. Could any other commercial gym. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think, we, I think anyone's going to listen to that. When we started at Village <laughs> Motel... <laughs> Not the Holiday Inn. Um, yeah, they had a... Oh, can I say the class name now? Yeah, Les Mills. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that. <laughs> Um, but they had a, well, they had the software, so they had MyZone, like we do, and then they had the um, structured workouts, so you had the times, you had the recoveries, you had no exercise behind it, that's what the coach's idea was, but it really gave a, a distinctive, you know, 
cut and dry plan for anyone to follow. And I thought that was a really nice way of doing it because before you go into any commercial gym and you go, oh, it's your circuit class, you do whatever you want. And then that would change so much between yeah. one coach to the other. Whereas this was, everyone's doing this plan, you put the workout in, but this is the structure and you follow it. And I think that for for me was the first positive class structuring or class um, that I took part in, in, in terms of across the board. Yeah, I think having like the my zone and stuff, it's just like we've spoken about, it's one of those things to use to monitor intensity and mm. gives people that feedback. You've got all the colored tiles up on the wall and all that kind of stuff with the heart rate zones in. So like you say, you go to a circuit class and often even planning circuit classes out as a young PT when you start out, you can plan something on paper and then the intensity in the class is completely different to how you had it planned, like be that higher or lower. Mm. Um, and having the feedback and an actual proper plan and schedule to how the class was laid out makes a lot of sense. It sets you off on the right foot, doesn't it? And having that heart rate feedback as well, as long as it's used correctly, um, is really helpful for sure. Um, so I think that's a lot of the upside. Obviously, the community aspect of being yeah. in classes and things like that is really beneficial. Spin classes, all of that kind of stuff, I think it's really beneficial. And it's a way that, like we talked about, generally we're going to push people to do most of their aerobic work or base aerobic work outside of sessions with us and doing it within a group or a class or it's something that people don't generally like doing of you know, sitting on a bike on their own for an hour or whatever it might be, doing it in a spin class makes that a lot more palatable, a lot easier. So I think there's a huge benefit to that for sure. Also go with my zone. If anyone has done a class like that, my zone does reward everyone going mm -hmm. back to the community to be in the right kind of um, heart rate zone. So if, if the tile is yellow, if everyone's in yellow, everyone's kind of cheesy everyone else on. Yeah. Um, a little bit more negative chat goes on. Just come on, go yellow team. Eighty-one <laughs> percent. Yeah, it, that I really like that. Yeah, yeah. I think occasionally some of the the downsides that can happen to classes just on the back of that. Um, what we've talked about pushing people to do their like base level cardio outside of it is that the intensity can often end up being the same across the board. Like we say, when we train people in here, we're looking at power work, so super explosive high-end stuff. We're looking at strength stuff. We're looking at uh, interval stuff and then encouraging cardio outside. A lot of the time, what can happen in classes in general is you end up in that middle ground of kind of working hard, but not working super hard that you're making physiological change at kind of threshold or VO2 max sort of top top end intensity you end up working at that semi-difficult level the whole time where you're not really pushing yourself on and you're not working steadily enough at that base level aerobic work where you're kind of really improving that energy system as well so you get stuck in a little bit of middle ground and people end up constantly semi-fatigued I'd say um, it's something we try and push people away from a lot of the time is training too, too frequently, especially when they're new to it, because you end up every session ends up being kind of like a seven out of 10 rather than 
a session being a nine or a 10 out of 10, and then the recovery in between that's needed to hit that same intensity the next time round to make improvement. Um, and a lot of the time people will just go for, you know, years on end and there's no change in weight or reps or anything like that. They're just doing the same thing over and over again. So there's no adaptation down the line, which again can be fine if that's what someone wants to do, if just mm -hmm. tick along and want the social aspect of it. But if we're actually looking at progression and adaptation, then it's not ideal. Also, like with the, the classes, people tend to gravitate towards the classes they enjoy the most. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you always do the same class, you'll always probably get the same similar output or the same stresses to a, a particular energy system. Um, and so that's where sort of, I guess, personal training and things helps mix things up because you can, because we have the ability to purposefully change and manipulate training for anything. So if someone is always doing a certain type of training outside of we can then work on all the other energy systems to help keep a nice rounded, I was gonna say physique, but just physical capacity. Mm -hmm. um, and then similarly, cause you don't, just like you, I mean, it's nice to come in and do, and sort of work towards a single goal. If someone comes in and they just want muscle or arms, then we'll sort of emphasize that a lot but then similarly we'll always throw in a bit of lower body stuff leg stuff single leg work aerobic capacity mm. maximum heart rate even though it might be to a less overall volume than someone else who isn't as bothered about sort of muscular physique um but it's always trying to put in some form of stress to all of the systems to keep a nice overall resilience level rather than just specifying too much and then being out of breath running for a bus yeah. not that anyone yeah. runs for a bus anymore <laughs> but that's always the example i use back in my day i would say it even if buses are gone <laughs> <laughs> running for an uber it is true when we have people in like you're saying you, you get people that get gym fit or whatever it might be or just training, weight training, whatever it might be. And then they're like, oh, I went for a walk on the weekend or went to go and play football with my kid or whatever it might be. And they're like, I was so out of breath and I couldn't do this and everything aches and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And so having that broad spectrum of, uh, me and my friends when we were younger always talked to like, I want to look like I go to the gym, but equally if someone says, do you want to run 10K at the weekend or do you want to play football or do you want to hike a mountain? I can still do that finding that sweet spot of like yeah i want to be relatively strong but don't want to go too far down one channel that i'm not able to yeah transfer over to something else given the opportunity because generally even when you're looking at top level athletes they're going to specialize to a degree but they've still got an all still got a level um across the board unless you're looking at someone like a strongman potentially or a bodybuilder or extreme frisbee yeah or a super, super power athlete, or maybe a marathon runner, where they're gonna be really dialed in down one energy system development, be that power, strength, um, aerobic capacity, whatever it might be. Most people are still gonna be across the board, aren't they? They're still gonna have a decent aerobic base. They're gonna be relatively powerful and strong um, and have a decent tolerance to threshold high-end intensity work, unless they're 
super, super specialized. As you said earlier, there's a lot of carryover between the systems. So mm. if someone does a lot of, say like the run club, they do a lot of aerobic capacity and running, they'll still reach a sort of base level of leg strength just through running yeah. to be able to do the running itself. Um, and so there's lots of carryover because then if they've got a good aerobic capacity when they come in and do their strength work, like Rich said, they'll have a good ability, physical capacity to push oxygen around their system. So they'll have a good level of base recovery in between all of their strength work so that they're not sort of on off for a long amount of time. They can keep things going. Um, so everything, I always like to sort of think of it as we are a sort of system of systems and there's going to be carryover between the lot of them. It's just being aware of if you have any sort of weak links, chinks in your armour um, and always we're just trying to be aware of keeping your weakest link up because mm. especially that's normally the stuff that people don't like to work on yeah. like mm. Tom and single leg work yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes sometimes he said that the other day made. <laughs> he's like you know every time you write single leg I do it double leg <laughs> don't worry yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's a good point actually similar to when we talked I think nutrition in the past and things but these uh, hesitant that we're talking a little bit about these like they're black and white all of them cross over like we say when we do strength work or lifting weights you do a set of 10 deadlifts you're going to be panting for oxygen at the same time um so they do cross over as well it's not like I'm just switching on my creatine phosphate system here and that's all I'm going to use um, you're still using a little bit of everything or equally I'm I'm just in aerobic mode now I'm not using any strength or whatever it might be or plyometrics because you are a little bit for the for the running side of it um, so they do blend and merge it's just when we're focusing in on specific um, intervals or strength base or power work or we're trying to bias one of those energy systems more than the others um, not necessarily that we're just using singly that one. Uh, it's something we've talked about. We've got, I think, quite a few clients here, to be fair, just in from general training that end up, it's quite easy to end up a bit, sounds a bit harsh, but a bit one-paced almost, when you're just, when you're just um, training the same way or have always been used to training the same way. Um, and it's really difficult to pull out of that you know, going into sort of high intensity work, um, it can be really difficult. Uh, but like we say, it's something well worth doing. If you're pulling up slightly from that top end, it gives you more scope at the base level as well. And equally, if you've got a wider and wider base, there's a stronger solid cardio base to build out of. Um, can be helpful. We we're just talking about it beforehand. If you look across like a lot of the measurements that we use in terms of strength in the gym, power work and things like that on the like top end power on the bike or on the erg or whatever it might be. And then three minute efforts that we've got up on the board. You can see some people favor certain disciplines and, and things like that. And that's just purely their bias towards an energy system. And so you can then start to build a plan off that of to where you need to bring them up or where you need to work on. Um, something we've talked about with quite a lot of clients to be fair on being specific on what they do outside of here or 
what kind of sessions they're doing and making sure you know we touched on the run club before one of those is a classic and i think it's classic for all uh cardio based um athletes is not resting enough in between sets and they just want to bang go next to mm. next to next to next because they're used to working like that and actually a lot of the stuff that we do in here is strength based is power based we want to make sure they're fully recovered so they can hit the same level of intensity and effort the next time they come around to do it. Not like you say, just prodding out for 10 miles or hours or whatever it might be, um, that they've got that recovery. There's a, a really good example. I remember listening to uh, some of the GB track cyclists and they were having a chat with Alistair Brownlee, the triathlete, and they were comparing sessions Brownlee was doing four hours on the bike with a runoff or whatever it might be. And the guys were like, yeah, yeah, we had a four hour session at the track. And within that they'd done four by 10 second efforts, I think, in a four hour session. But they were doing 10 seconds maximally and then taking 45 minutes to recover before they did the next one um, to make sure that their system was fully, fully recovered. We're not suggesting you need to do a four-hour session to do your four times ten-second effort. Come in for your hour with ten seconds of work. Ultimate Tabata. <laughs> 45 minutes off, ten seconds on. Um, but it's just to show that the, like, the same time period of session can look completely different. And those guys have access to working so hard within 10 seconds that it warrants 45 minutes of recovery before they're going to be able to do that 10 seconds to the same intensity again so there's no reason that if you come into the gym when we say to someone they're working super hard for 30 seconds they might need two minutes off if they're able to work at that high end capacity um Whereas a lot of people I think will be like 30 seconds, okay, I'll walk around for a bit. Oh, I've got my breath back and it might be 45 seconds of recovery and then they'll work again, but it's not quite as hard as that first 30 seconds. And you're just constantly going down and downhill rather than pushing that top end envelope every time you do it. Yeah, Jamie, break that 20 seconds. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. 17 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to link it back to IPO. Go on. Because I'm cool. Uh, so as we mentioned with sort of skill building and you've got input, process, output. So if you were to think of your output as the sort of adaptation you're, you're choosing to try and work towards. So for example, let's say lifting something heavy. So the output is strength and you're trying to improve your strength. So then you reverse engineer it to what the process is. And so the process is being able to sort of lift something, let's say, one to six times. So that's your sort of rough strength capacity. So anything over six reps, you're sort of pushing a bit more sort of muscle building. And so it's just an easy way of, of simplifying a process. So if you can lift something and you couldn't lift it more than six times, then that process is going to give you a strength output there's mm -hmm. no there's no way around it whereas if you lift something six times that you could lift for 30 times then that's not strength work so it's it's thinking of the output and then mm -hmm. going through the process and then sort of mentioning about the input you need to be able to have some form of movement 
pattern, idea, sort of conscious awareness of what you're trying to keep because that weight you're going to lift six times is going to try and fatigue you, pull you out of position. And so that's where, like we've mentioned previously about movement patterns and just having an initial awareness of how you move is sort of the the input to everything. So like with running, you need the input of being able to move your joints in a run locomotion, which most people can. And then the process of running is whether it's a long run, a short run, a hill run, a downhill run, intervals, whatever it is, will change the output. And so where you're talking about adaptations, if you're trying to mix and sort of coincide adaptations, that's where the process becomes a lot more complicated because you're not just pushing one thing to an extreme. You're trying to intermingle lots of different adaptations. And again, that's where we, as coaches, blend sessions together to give a bit of everything rather than just always always maximum strength or always max power. It's always a bit of a bit of everything. It, there's probably worth going through a few things here. There's questions that have come up in the past and like David's just mentioned there about, say, for example, uh, I'm trying to get stronger or get ripped for the summer or whatever it might be. And so doing a run is going to affect my ability to bench press or whatever. Um, generally that stuff has come out of those sort of super top end athletes that we're talking about previously when someone's trying to really specialize down one um, energy system say their power or their strength or their aerobic capacity then yes doing you know a ton of split squats or a heavy squat session the day before you go and try and run 10 miles is going to have an effect Mm -hmm. for example or run 10 miles hard or fast equally that if you were trying to do if you're going to a powerlifting meet, then running 10 miles hard the day before is probably not the best idea in the world. But for the vast majority of people, near enough everyone outside of that elite level of competition, going for a run is not going to impact your ability to bench press the next day or the rest of that week, the levels that we're kind of working with and working at. In actual fact, it's going to have positive carryover because you've, like we've talked about quite a few times so far, having that aerobic capacity to recover shuttle oxygen around the body to those working muscles as you're performing the lift is going to have positive impact rather than negative. It's something we did on a, I think a Q&A a little while ago, wasn't it, about talking about someone training for the Great South versus I also want to get strong. Well doable um, to do both at the same time yeah. <clears throat> for a lot of it. I know there's been a lot of talk about like hybrid athletes and all that kind of stuff in at the moment seems to be the thing on Instagram. Um, but yeah, there's... there's Being a decathlete. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. You have to be good at everything. Yeah. <clears throat> but all of those, say, world records for a decathlon would be nowhere near yeah. whatever the individual event is because they have to specialise throughout yeah. everything mm-hmm. rather than just specialise at one thing. Yeah. So the max output would always be higher for an individual mm. specialised body versus someone who needs to do 12 events. Yeah. It's like saying, um, you know, if someone's worried about their run impacting their bench press, it may well do if you're trying to break the two-hour marathon, for example, then yes, it might have an impact on your bench press, or you're trying to go sub-30 for a 10K, then yes, it's going to have an impact. But if we're not talking about those elite levels of performance, then no, it's not going to 
have a negative impact generally as long as you're recovering sufficiently and with nutrients and good sleep and all that kind of stuff outside of that it might impact your maximum but you can still come in and be effective yeah, yeah. you can still push that like we said you don't need to go maximum every single time you can be a six to eight out of ten and still be mm. effective moving yeah. forward yeah <clears throat> it's not necessarily touching that genetic ceiling that someone has capacity to eventually um one thing we talked about as well about potentially getting into the myth busters was around uh aerobic training and fat loss and i think it ties in a lot to where a lot of the class system stuff comes from of people going to classes to lose weight we used to hear loads of it in commercial gyms of i've done x class and i've been doing three times a week for this amount of time and i haven't lost any weight or also, i've been running all the time and i haven't lost any weight yeah that's it jumping on the treadmill yeah 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 and same with that with anything i think when people come in first weight train and they're i've been weight training i've been doing this and this and this and i haven't lost any weight um the same applies to all of it the weight side of it is going to come down to nutrition regardless of what you're doing yes the exercise requires calories so doing an hour's strength session requires calories doing an hour's running requires calories so it's still going to come down to what you eat it's not necessarily the exercise if you were able to just add on top of say you're maintaining weight and you were just able to add on top two runs a week or two weight sessions a week then yes that might put you in a calorie deficit to lose weight but it's not the exercise that's doing it it's the overall calories it's important to know that a lot of the time and look at the classes for example or the running or the strength training for the benefit that it gives you the adaptations yeah exactly the adaptation benefit rather than using it as a tool to lose weight it's not the right way to look at it at all um so you still have to address that side of it definitely mm. um coming back to that hit thing people always referenced it and they're like oh hit's the best way to fat loss and all that kind of stuff and yeah just do this hit routine just do this four minute to batter um and you get epoch for hours after your session um and uh yeah you'll burn loads of calories again no real no real backing to any of that there's no exercise i'd say generally that's gonna make you lose weight quicker one or the other um food or reducing food intake or calorie intake will do for sure mm. um there's no specific exercise just pick whatever's relevant to your goal generally um and pick preference more than anything so talking about fasted cardio all that kind of stuff you're no better off getting up in the morning and going for a run than you are doing it mid-afternoon after you've had lunch or after dinner if that's when you've got the most energy and you feel the most like doing it and you have the time to do it Equally, you're no better off doing super intense intervals on the bike if you prefer running a steady hour. It's not really going to shift the dial one way or the other in terms of calorie burn effect, um, no matter what your fitness digit might tell you. <laughs> I also tend to find I'm hungrier after intense training yeah. than any other kind of training. Yeah. I think this is individual to everyone. I don't think it's a principle of if you train harder, you'll be hungrier. So it's just a case of being wary of what, how training impacts your, again, if you're after weight loss, how training impacts your food habits. And I've always got to be aware of if I'm going to train 
harder or more intense, I probably need a little plan of what I'm going to eat afterwards mm. rather than going shopping and saying, hmm, what do I fancy? Because the answer will be everything. Crispy green donut. Yeah. I find the same with that with... I think there is something physiological behind it, but I find the same with swimming. I'm always really hungry after swimming versus cycling or running, for example. I think partly because longer sessions cycling and running you can eat as you're going along which probably helps as well eat. whereas obviously swimming you suck a gel down <laughs> swimming you're not going to eat as you're going but yeah generally i feel a lot hungrier after swimming for example similarly it's just a reaction that i need to be aware of if i'm monitoring weight or whatever it might be yeah but i think that's it like we we're saying across the board we're looking for people in general clients that we train to have a good range um, of adaptation to every energy system that we're going to put them through and just recapping on that our sessions look like we'll warm up do some power work do some core work then we get into our main strength block um, and then we'll be doing some generally some interval work towards the end um, some of our weekend classes might in, might have a bit more kind of aerobic work a bit longer steadier state sort of stuff um, but for the most part we're going to push people to do that outside because they intertwine and we want people to be everyday athletes as it were and not have to not let fitness be a barrier to anything that they want to do outside of that so whether ready for anything they're running for a horse-drawn carriage Whoa. with david or they're <laughs> <laughs> hey that's what they have in london <laughs> yeah, don't roll your ankle on the cobblestones. <laughs> Chad for the toilets being thrown out of the the windows, <laughs> the waste. Um, yeah, so whether you're going for a run or a walk on the weekend, you've got the aerobic capacity to do that. Equally, if you're going to play five aside football, or you know you trip and you need to catch yourself quickly, that's all plyometric work, power work, mm. forced absorption, that kind of stuff. So that's important just to day to day life lifting something heavy that you've just bought from the shops carrying bags back and forth without aching back and all that kind of stuff it's why we train people across a broad range rather than just dialing in too much on one being married to one energy system of we're just doing strength or we're just doing cardio or we're just doing power whatever it might be um having that broad range yeah overall resilience yeah for sure excellent Anything to add? No, just let Tilly snore. Just let yeah. Tilly snore away. We've got uh, it's Christmas episode next week, isn't it? Ooh, I was looking Christmas, at this the other day. It? I can't believe it's two weeks away. I don't believe that. Two weeks yesterday. Presents. Oh, presents. Christmas. I was so excited. <laughs> Watched Home Alone last night. I don't want to ruin too much for the Christmas episode because <laughs> we're going to talk about Christmas films, favourite selection boxes. How many selection boxes Rich can eat in one night? Yeah. Gannett, part Gannett. My money's on four. We've, we've got to get a selection box for next week, haven't we? For our rushes. Mince pies. Mince we'll get Jamie, see if Jamie can cook us some mince pies. <laughs> <laughs> nice bit of frosting. <laughs> Delicious. High protein. Excellent, guys. As always, thanks for listening. Uh, if there's anything thanks Karen 
Yeah. Hi, Karen. And she's got Martin onto it now as well, so that's two <gasps> listeners. She's Thank doubled our she's doubled Woo! our audience with referrals. Um, like share the podcast so (laughs) if there's anything else you want us to cover if you want us to do any of that stuff in more detail then we'll do it in the new year because we're doing a Christmas episode next week so just let us know and we'll do it in a few weeks time preference Uh, on selection boxes yeah preference on selection boxes favourite Christmas films die hard yeah That, that could be Mythbusters yeah, there you go. Christmas movies that aren't Christmas movies. Exactly. Yeah, loaded that up beautifully. That might be a so debate rather than a myth, might yeah. it? <laughs> For the hour. Everyone, <laughs> shut up, Mitch. Everyone Hard is a Christmas. Everyone, movie. bring your arguments. <laughs> There'll be more research into next week's pod than there ever has been. Movies with snow in does not count as a Christmas <laughs> yeah. movie. <laughs> Our three degrees combined will be nothing compared to the amount of research that we do for next week. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. So we'll leave it with you there. Cheers for listening.